Hey, before we jump into the podcast, just want to give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the Holistic Nootropics podcast, to please just take a quick second and subscribe to the podcast. It takes literally a second to do. Just hit the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Also, if you want to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now, if you're more of a visual person, you like to actually watch the podcast, you can actually do that over on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com, search Holistic Nootropics, You'll see our page pop up. Subscribe to that. Hit the little bell icon so you can get notified every single time new videos drop because we don't just do podcasts over there. We do product reviews. We do all kinds of nootropic and biohacking and holistic health topical videos. So go on over, check us out on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. And for all things nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking related, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name is Eric, and today we have a very special podcast episode with Adele Spragan. Adele is an award-winning author, a thought leader, and an international speaker and trainer. She's been awarded the 2020 Woman of Inspiration Award, and in 2021, she was recognized as the top behavioral expert of the year. Her book, Shift, Four Steps to Personal Empowerment, has won three awards and is sweeping the globe, transforming how people are setting and achieving their goals. She is the creator of a system called the four-step repatterning technique, which she delivers through a member portal called the Pattern Maker Hub. Today, she supports thousands globally to achieve extraordinary levels of happiness, peace of mind, prosperity, goal achievement, and life fulfillment. Adele, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Thank you, Eric. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, like I am very excited to talk to you, you know, like we were talking off uh, off air, you know, I do a lot of podcasts with doctors and we talk a lot about, um, you know, some kind of real nerdy health stuff. But what I love talking about um, just as much as that stuff is like the power of using your mind, right? Using these little mental hacks to kind of get through the day. And, you know, as much as the body affects the mind, the mind affects the body and really everything in our world. And I think it's sounds like you are kind of on the forefront of helping people transform these, these little patterns in their minds that get in their way and hold them back from doing what they're doing, uh, what they truly want to do. So I'd love to ask you, how did you get into this line of work? What is your story? And then ultimately what brought you to writing the book and, and creating this whole member portal? Yeah. So I've been in the personal professional development industry, Eric, probably for, oh gosh, 35 years now. And when I first started, I was following all of those mindset hacks that you're talking about, you know, things like think positive and um, set your goals and determine the steps to get to those goals and then have willpower and commitment and take those steps. The problem was, and I was coaching it as well, the problem was is that I wasn't able to achieve my goals. And frankly, about 75% of the people I was coaching were struggling to achieve their goals. So I started to ask myself, what is going on? And eventually I said, surely it can't be our fault. We're doing everything as designed, everything we are taught to do. We are following all the well-known instructions. So I took myself back to university. I enrolled in university. I wanted to understand the human mind. And I was also a meditation facilitator at this point. So I was able to do a deep dive into my own mind at the same time. And I realized that, yes, we are actually following the wrong operating instructions. So with that knowledge, I started to look at brain patterns and I started to look at what is actually in control. Is it our mind or is it our patterns? And what I determined led me to creating the four-step repatterning technique and is transforming lives all over the globe. That's great. Yeah, it's, we are such um, slaves to our patterns, right? Absolutely. I mean, like I feel this, you know, cause I have this, I hate to call it a struggle, but I have this, this pattern. <laughs> I have this, I like to smoke weed. I love smoking cannabis and, you know, um, for me, it's a ritualistic activity, you know? And I've noticed that in myself lately because I do this thing where I, I go for a while of smoking every day and then I just stop. 
and I don't touch it and I don't even think about it when it's not like around me. But as soon as I get back into it, it's like the routine of it, the time of the day, the whole, it's, it's even down to like the, you know, Oh, it's in this cabinet. So I go to that cabinet, I pull it out and then I walk to this spot on my patio and then I smoke it. And then it's like, it's almost like the, the ritual of it is more exciting to me than the actual high that I get from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, patterns are fascinating and I can, I can share a very similar one that I used to have for me. It was red wine. I was very addicted to red wine. I would have a bottle, at least a bottle at night. And, um, the same thing. There was a lot to do with the habit. And I like to call those patterns repetitive habits. They're just repeated things that we do over and over again. I, when I talk about brain patterns, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the brain. So a little bit more into the pattern box. So I define a pattern as an intertwined physical sensation, emotion, and thought. When the three aspects of our being come together, it results in a particular action, a particular behavior, a particular belief. And how I like people to think about patterns is think of a neural pathway in your brain. And information travels down that pathway. And that leads to you taking a particular action or behavior or belief, right? So that is the level of pattern that I'm talking about. So when we repattern that, now, you know, let's take my addiction to red wine. Typically, I would be told to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and use willpower and commitment, right, to get past that. The problem with that is I still have a pattern in my brain that appreciates red wine. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Even though I'm no longer using that pattern, it still exists there. And so I'm constantly battling myself not to have that bottle of wine. And anytime wine is in the picture, I better exit real quick or else I'm going to be tempted and all of that stuff. So when we work with brain patterns, it's a matter of teasing that channel apart. And then your brain does something really remarkable because it is highly, highly adaptable. It has plasticity. It will snap into a brand new channel. And then the desire for wine is just gone. And you literally step out of one identity into another identity. That's the power of patterns. We can do that with actions, such as repetitive actions like addictions. We can also do it with repetitive beliefs, such as I'm not good enough. We can do it with anxiety when we are under stress. We can do it with anything once we realize how this brain of ours is functioning. Does that also require... I guess, like making amends somehow with how you got to that place in the, to begin with, you know, like for a lot of people, a lot of their actions, and I'm not a psychologist, I'm just speaking about like what I've heard, you know, um, but you know, for a lot of people, their actions today were formed out of reactions, even back from, um, you know, when they were a kid. Like, for example, I just interviewed this doctor. He wrote a book, um, he's a functional medicine doctor, and he's talking about disease. And, you know, we all know that person, they're just always sick all the time. They just always have something wrong with them. And what mm -hmm. he says is that actually comes from when they were a kid and their parents didn't show them enough love. And, you know, their way of getting their parents' attention was they would cry. Well, eventually, like, that stops working. So they would cry more, they would cry more, that wouldn't work. And then they would start getting sick and then they would get the attention. And then that, that activity manifested into their life. And now they're just, they're, they cannot get better. They're just sick all the time. Is, is that something you, you see a lot? Yeah. So there's different layers to patterns. So how I like to look at patterns is most people think that understanding the originating incident that caused that particular pattern in the brain is important to know. And on one level, that could be, yes, that can be very helpful. If you know that you cried all the time as a kid and that's what led you to be sick, it's helpful to know that because it gives you the ability to change it. On another level, though, it sends us off working on the wrong problem because many people, even though they, they have a problem today, they will start looking for that originating incident. If they can't find it, they, they don't know how to fix the problem today. So what I like to say is it's a pattern. It is running now. All you have to know is what is happening now. How do you feel inside that pattern? Where is it arising physically in the body? What is the thought that goes along with that? And let's deal with that rather than adding another layer of complexity to a problem that already exists by having to know where it originated. So yes, we are not born with patterns. 
Our brain, as a human being, our brain is born a blank slate. And when we come into this world, we very, very quickly have to piece together patterns in order to know what actions to take. So very, very quickly, our brain starts wiring things together, depending a lot of that time on our parents and everything like that. Some of those patterns continue to work for us as we go through life, and some of them just become obsolete. That's what happens. It's not that they're bad. They're just obsolete. So our job is to come from now and say, okay, what am I feeling? I'm feeling sick. Hmm, that's a pattern. Not to look at that as being a reality, which is tricky, and we can get to that in a moment, Eric, but to see it as a pattern rather than this is true, and then to deconstruct it or tease apart that neural pathway, which is causing us to be sick. Now, if we are physically sick and in need of some help, the brain will then be able to direct us in the effective way to get that support. But if we're not physically sick and it's psychological, the brain will rewire itself and the person will no longer feel sick. So yeah, you, make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, my follow-up to that is, uh, are there common patterns that you see, uh, you know, like, are there like textbook, you know, somebody starts talking to you and they go, I've got this, I've got that. And then you're like, I've seen that a thousand times you know, uh, this, and, and to, I'm not saying that people aren't unique. Of course, everybody's different, but like we all kind of fit into certain general boxes that we all kind of follow this. Like we're not as unique as we think, I guess, you know, um, but do, are there common patterns that you see? Yeah, it's, it's twofold. We're both unique and we're both very, very socially integrated. And a lot of our patterns come from the cultures that we live in, but I'll, I'll, I'll just give one example of a pattern. And since you're talking about physical effects, then I'm going to start with a story there. I had one client, she came to me and she wanted to work out. The problem was, is that every time she went out for a walk, she would get winded. She was overweight and she would get winded. And she said, Adele, like I can't walk half a block without huffing and puffing. And interestingly, when I had met this woman, I had met her at a networking event and we had walked from one building to another. And so I knew that what she was saying was a fact for her. So I still suggested though, that she treat it like a pattern. And I, I asked her to go out for a walk and to identify what was happening physically, emotionally, and mentally as she was walking. Well, she called me back like 10 minutes later and she said, okay, Adele, she said, I put on my running shoes. I walked to the end of my driveway. I was standing there wondering whether to go left or right. And I realized I was winded. She said, so you're absolutely right. This is a pattern. And I said, yes. And what was fascinating about this woman is she was a construction worker. She took sledgehammers to walls for a living. And so there's a, we could see that this pattern was illogical. There is no logic in our pattern box. Patterns do what patterns do. When she identified that pattern, she came to the realization that the reason that she didn't want to take care of herself was because to her, that meant selfish. She was being selfish. So her body prevented her from following the belief of you are selfish if you take care of yourself. Her body is part and parcel of that pattern and stepped in to make sure that she wouldn't be selfish. Again, no logic. It was working, but it wasn't effective. Right. That is wild that the brain, the, the brain has that mechanism to say, there's a thing we could do that's good for us, but doing things that are good for us is wrong. Where does that come from? I, I, I don't get that. Yeah, so it, come, it comes when you're little. So in her case, as she was growing up, she would have got the message repeatedly, don't be selfish. And if she had probably, and we're guessing here, because like I said, she didn't know where this, this pattern originated, but we can guess that a child who is going through life and trying to get their own needs met, if they're constantly met with, hey, don't be selfish as the response, they are going to try and squash that desire to be in the picture, right? To take care of the self. And so that was just what had happened. Her, her brain had just created a pattern that said, don't take care of me, take care of other people. As long as she was working, taking care of family, she was fine. She wasn't winded. But as soon as she turns to take care of herself, she got winded. Now, here is a fascinating result of repatterning, Eric. She went to work on that pattern. It took her about six to eight weeks. I called her up 
a year later, just to check in, just to see how she was doing. And I said, so how's it going? And she said, oh, great, Adele. She said, I just got back from a vacation. I said, oh, where did you go? She said, I went hiking. And I laughed because I went, that is the beauty of patterns. She had literally stepped out of one identity into another. She didn't even remember that she used to get winded walking. It was just gone. And from that point on, she just loves walking. So you know, you can see how much power our brain has when we know how to work with the way it is designed. That's a great story. That's unbelievable, you know, because I'm disconnected from people like that, you know, like, but I have to remember that all around us are people dealing with their, with their own patterns, with their own sense of limitations. And we're all just, you know, I've been actually thinking about this a lot lately, uh, like in the last year, like in terms of addiction, you know, and that like when I look at somebody and, you know, when I see that, oh, they're struggling with a drug addiction or they're struggling with alcoholism or they're struggling with a food addict or whatever the addiction is, it's that, that their mind has succumbed to that. Like they, their mind has placed this above like what we would consider common sense. Like, does it make sense to spend the last thousand dollars in your bank account on, you know, sports gambling, right? Especially if you have a family for you and me, we're like, of course it doesn't make sense. Like, why would anybody do that? But for a compulsive gambler, like, of course it makes sense. Like, why would I not do that? Because I've been doing that for so many years. And then the activity of when they go broke, they, they have no problem going to other people and asking for money. Like, people look at them like, why would I give you a thousand dollars? But for them, that's like, well, that's just what I do. And they like the automatic, the automatic, um, reaction to living this way is stronger than the impulse of what we think makes sense. Yeah. So, so like I said, patterns aren't logical. I mean, somebody who, who gambles, it is the, uh, okay, here, let, let's just take something simpler, something that I can actually sure. talk about. When I repatterned my pattern for drinking, I realized that my body would relax the moment the wine hit my mouth. Now, logically, that makes no sense because it takes 15 minutes for the drug to get into the body and to hit the brain and cause relaxation. So I got, oh, yeah, hang on. There's a physiological response that is occurring that has nothing to do with a physio physiological response. It is actually a creation of my mind. So knowing that a pattern is a physical sensation, emotion, and thought intertwined allows us to start looking for what is, what is this right? How I'm feeling? Should I feel this way? And just say, okay, this is what is happening. This is how I am feeling. And then ask a really, really powerful question. You ready? Does it work? If your listener can just remember, it is just a neural pathway in the brain. It there's no logic here. There's no good or bad. There's no right or wrong. It's just, does that work or does that not work? And if it doesn't work, let's remove the pattern rather than trying to fix the problem. Yeah, makes sense? Yeah, totally. So when, I, when I removed the pattern, I just I just stopped drinking. I, it was, I didn't even stop drinking. I was a non-drinker if that makes sense. I went from being somebody who drank to somebody who was just a non-drinker. I can be in a room with wine. I don't even look at it. It's, it's it. I'm just somebody who just doesn't drink period. And I wonder like on um, like a neurochemical level, if, if you can pattern yourself into dopamine release um, with just activities that wouldn't logically released dopamine like like you said like the 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 wine hitting your tongue it takes 15 minutes for that to get in your blood circulate and make you feel alcohol but the brain might have a way of going oh alcohol in the mouth boom dopamine and exactly. yeah so that would make sense why it's so overpowering exactly you got it you got it we don't need the body for the brain to create the body's experience we also don't need the brain for the body to create the brain's experience, if you understand what I mean. Sure. This is occurring at the level of pattern. It is just, oh, this is occurring. So let, let me let me just back up and try and explain what I said simply. Neuroscience has now determined something fascinating. We used to think that thought led 
emotion followed and the physical came last. So I want to go for a jog, right? I'm, I'm going to put my suit on and go out and start jogging. We used to think that would happen. It's not actually what happens. The, the action of jogging starts in the subconscious, unconscious regions of our brain. Then the conscious parts of our brain catch up to an action that the brain has already sent us in that direction and says, I want to take a jog. You're actually already on the path to jogging, if that makes sense. Now, think about now having to back up that bus. So here you are, your brain is already impetus to jog is already sending you all the way down that channel. Now you say, oh, but I don't want to go jogging. And now you try and pull back the bus. Okay, now you're, you're, you're doubly hard, right? I mean, you know, jogging is a good thing. So you probably see that as well, that's okay. But let's say that you're somebody who doesn't want to go jogging and should go jogging. And now you've got to back up the bus because your brain is saying, I'm not jogging. I'm not doing that. Not going to happen. <laughs> and everything about you, physiologically, you feel lazy, you feel tired, you feel drained, you feel exhausted. All of that is already given by the pattern. Wow. Yeah. Like I, I actually, um, so like an example for me, like recently I was, um, uh, I was, I was working and our, our apartment was just a mess. We hadn't cleaned it for a, a couple of weeks. My wife was like, we got to clean the apartment uh, tomorrow. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. And I got, I was working. I'm like, okay, I'm working. And you know, when you're working and you get in that, that flow, right? Like you're there. And then she comes up to me and she's like, I mean, she did all, but just close my computer and go and put the broom in my hand. Like we're cleaning now. And it was such an angering thing to me. Cause I was like, like you said, I was on the bus moving in flow working and then i had to stop and it actually made me angry and mm -hmm. I, I mean i have countless examples of like that you know just interrupting what i'm like a routine thing of me uh whatever it is and then having to do something else it's like that even though it's easy it's just easy to stop and do whatever but it's like the mind is over has to be overpowered in a way to make you do the thing that you're not ready to do Exactly, exactly. And when we when we work with physical things like health and stuff like that, it's it's that's important to keep in mind because we beat ourselves up a lot. Human beings make themselves ashamed, make themselves feel bad, tell themselves that they should do something that they don't want to do. And it's so kind and gentle to be able to say, okay, I'm running a pattern that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And all I have to do is remove that pattern rather than beat myself up or shoot all over myself or tell myself I should do something, you know. Um, and one of the one of the best examples that I worked with a woman who was addicted, she had a sugar addiction and she was convinced that she had a sugar addiction and she had sugar everywhere. It was all over the house. It was it locked in cupboards. If she, had, if she was going to have breakfast, it was going to be a donut. That was it. And she had this really interesting uh, pattern that she would run where she would go down the candy aisle of the grocery store every time she went to the grocery store and she could not stop going down that candy aisle she tried she tried to go on diets and all of that wasn't going to happen she said an interesting thing to me she said Adele if you have a magic wand and you could tap and remove my sugar addiction she said please don't tap I don't think I could live without sugar and I said, that's okay. I said, we won't tap. I said, I'm just going to give you this, these four steps. And I just want you to apply it every day, twice a day. Anyway, she did that. She was, she was very committed to doing that. And she said, as long as you don't stop me from eating sugar, I will do it. So every week I would check in. How's it going? How's the sugar going? Oh, no change, no change, no change. Until about the fifth, sixth week. And she said, at that point, she said, she thought about it. She had to stop and pause. And she said, you know what, Adele? She said, I have a piece of pie in the fridge and I, I didn't touch it. And then she said, oh, my gosh. She said, I went to the grocery store the other day and I walked right past the candy aisle. She hadn't even realized that she hadn't gone down it. So that's the power of patterning. If we can start with where the pattern is originating, when you think about it, it's in the unconscious and remove that trigger then the conscious mind is just, like I say, along for the ride. So it just rides in on the back of the pattern. Mm -hmm. If you have a different pattern, then those that conscious mind doesn't ride in. The action isn't taken. The behavior isn't adopted. It just disappears powerfully. 
And for someone like that, you know, where you didn't have to take away sugar, you didn't have to put her on a special non-sugar diet. Where are you? What is the work that you're doing then? Is this like, uh, is this like changing something else in her day? Like, Hey, you know, if you drive to work this way, maybe, maybe take an alternative path. And then that like cascades into other things changing throughout the day. Is that, is that something that you do or like, how does that work? Yeah, that, that's that's exactly how we are taught that we need to make change, but it's it's not the most effective way. So no, we're not changing anything at the level of action, behavior, belief. We are actually going into the pattern and deconstructing the pattern as it is arising in the brain. So here's how it would work. I said to this woman, I said, okay, do not change any of your eating around sugar you continue to do eat sugar as much as you like okay but i said what you need to do is twice a day at off times when you're not interested in sugar morning night just sit and just tell me just identify the physical sensation the emotion and the thought around i am a sugar addict Mm. Okay, so, you know, if you want to play, we can play with something that you said you do earlier, like you're you um, smoke weed. So if I said to you, okay, Eric, just just identify right now, right here in this moment, what emotion comes up for you when you think I smoke weed? Where do you feel that in the body? And what is the one thought that goes along with that? You want to play? Oh yeah, I, you're you're actually asking me to play. I'm actually asking. Oh yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> ask ask me again. Ask me again. So I'm okay. in the moment. So so you're you're somebody who says I am somebody who smokes weed. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Great. So just I am somebody who smokes weed. You're just sitting here. Just say okay. What is that pattern? So what do you? What is the emotion that goes along with I am somebody who smokes weed? As I'm identifying, uh, the first thing that pops in my head is embarrassment. Okay, perfect. So embarrassment. Now, where do you feel that embarrassment? Um, I like I feel it like in my chest, my heart. Perfect. So there's a there's some sensation in the chest, in the heart. The emotion is embarrassed. Does any thought pop into your head? I shouldn't smoke weed. No. Uh, actually, just like the vision of like of the action of doing it. Perfect. So I'm I'm just somebody who smokes weed. Yeah. Brilliant. What you just did was you just identified a pattern. It is that pattern that is taking the action of smoking weed. But if we could just wave away, I'm just going to hand you a magic wand. And sadly, Eric, it's not a magic wand, but let's just pretend for a moment. And just say you could just wave away that pattern. If it could just somehow disappear, just poof gone. Who would you be at that point? Who would I be at that point? Yeah. If I didn't feel the embarrassment. If, you if didn't that was the embarrassment, if there wasn't any connection to you being somebody who smokes weed, if that whole thing just kind of disappeared, poof, who would you be? Um uh who would I be? Um I I don't know. I'd probably be like uh, I'd probably be a little bit more um, accepting that this is what I do. Sure. Accepting, maybe free, maybe free to free. be non, uh, not, a, not a pot smoker rather than I am a pot smoker, right? Yeah. To just be total freedom inside that pattern because you wouldn't have a pattern in your brain for smoking weed. So it would just disappear. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we we pile all of these problems on and we try and fix everything. We try and um, do everything the right way and make sure that we control what we're doing and know what we're doing and know where we're going. And frankly, it just makes for, like I was saying before, a world that is filled with blame and shame. So here, wow. here's a little trick. If anybody asks you, why did you do that? Here's my answer. Because my patterns made me do it. That's it. <laughs> we have patterns in our brain that take certain actions. And that's it. That's the only answer to that question. Why did you do that? Because my patterns made me. Mm. <laughs> that, I mean, and, that's a, 
Go ahead. And sorry. we're not we're not let off the hook. I should add because sure. because we are responsible as and able to respond to the pattern, but we are not responsible for the action, behavior, belief that the pattern takes. Yeah, we are not responsible for the action that the behavior takes or that the pattern takes. The pattern takes. So a pattern gives a rise to an action, behavior, belief. We are not responsible for the action, behavior, belief that belongs to the pattern. We are able to respond to the fact that this is a pattern. And once you have a tool to remove that pattern, you're able to just get rid of it. That I mean, that's a real interesting way to reframe things like actions and behaviors in your mind. Um, I think people who, you know, because I focus so much on the physiological, right? Like I focus so much on, and that's why that's where holistic nootropics came from because nootropics are, you know, supplements and, and, um, you know, I call them tools to essentially put different neurochemicals in your brain to hopefully get a new response. And I think they, they're effective in some way and not just nootropics specifically, but different minerals and supplements and the whole body thing. But at the end of the day, it's what, what is your activity? What is your behavioral pattern? And you could switch up your diet. You could switch up your, you know, the supplements you take, you could do whatever, but you could still have these same little patterns that don't even dictate actions, but they dictate thoughts, which eventually create the actions. So when you start taking a different level of ownership over those actions, then that it kind of seems like that's what you're saying that that becomes the pattern change in itself, not immediate, you know, but over time, when you start to reframe these activities that you partake in, that's where you start to start questioning it. And then the logical brain comes in and says, um, you know, Hey, what are we doing? This makes no sense. Right. So, so repatterning is done in four steps. The step that I just showed you is just step one. It's just identify a pattern. The next step is, is really powerful. It's owning it as a pattern. So we are used to, like I was saying, fixing the problem out there. So you, you, you want your listeners to take particular supplements, which are really healthy and which ideally they would be taking. The problem is, is that if they have a pattern that doesn't allow them to take those supplements, it's really tricky to help them to take them, right? Mm -hmm. we, can we can say, hey, listen, this is gold. You need this. But if they don't have a pattern, remember, because a pattern is starting in the unconscious, to actually put that in their mouth, it's really hard for them to do it. Mm -hmm. Not good or bad. It's just difficult. So owning that as a pattern it's not my fault that I'm not putting that pill in my mouth. It's my pattern that is not allowing me to put that pill in my mouth. That is really, really powerful. It's like, okay, I can't control putting the pill in my mouth. I couldn't control not drinking the glass of wine. That was beyond my control. But I do have control over that pattern because I created that somewhere in my past. Doesn't matter where, but it's still my creation. Okay, so that's step two. Step three, we need to do something really, really powerful, and that is deconstruct that pattern. Remember, the pattern is three pieces, physical, emotional, and mental. If we can pull apart, tease apart the physical from the emotional from the mental and just deconstruct it, then that pattern just disappears. So that's step three. It's a, it's a method of removing. It's a method of subtraction rather than addition. And then step four is to create the new pattern which can take the pill. So it's not that what we are trying to do through life is incorrect, okay? Taking supplements and being healthy, taking care of yourself is absolutely essential. What you teach is essential. It's the interim step between I'm not and I should that needs to be changed. Does that make sense? And that interim step is to remove the pattern that is not doing it. Right. So it, like, I mean, basically what you're doing is you're having a, you're having a face off between the front of your brain and the back of your brain. You're saying exactly. I am, I am, uh, I am controlled by the back of my brain. We all are. <laughs> and the front of my brain is not doing anything to help, <laughs> but That's right. If well, the, the, front, the front of your brain is being critical. That's all right. the front of the brain is doing. <laughs> Absolutely. It's being critical and that's making things worse because like that's in right. the example of that, of that woman, it's like, don't take care of yourself, take care of others. 
And that's kind of like what the front of the brain saying. It's like the front of the brain's like, Hey, whatever you want to do back of the brain, like you're not doing good, but I have no power over you. But now you're giving your front of your brain more power and you're saying, Oh no, I have to overpower the back of the brain. And it's playing a mind trick. It's not just like, it's not just like you're bad and you shouldn't do this. It's like, well, what if I made you actually look at where this comes from and maybe changed a couple of things. So like minuscule that you wouldn't even know that it doesn't hurt you physically or emotionally. It's just such a small thing. And then after doing that for so many times, eventually the pattern changes. Yes, exactly. The pattern just deconstructs. It just removes itself from your brain. Your brain is brilliant. It will rewire a different pattern, a different channel, and boom, you are taking a different action. And it's that simple. So one thing that I'm actually interested in that I, I believe you've, you've written about or you speak about is uh, procrastination mm -hmm. and how this fits into uh, procrastination. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I always teach, and I, I Everybody needs to know this. Human beings do not procrastinate. What we do is we avoid. But the question is, what is it that we're avoiding? So we're not avoiding the task. Say somebody is not doing their taxes. It is not the taxes that we avoid. It's the feeling that we feel internally when we go to do our taxes. Once we know that, we know where to work. It's not, I need to be good, I need to force myself to do taxes. It's, I am uncomfortable doing taxes. Great, that's step one. What causes that uncomfort? And for everybody, that will be different. So for some people doing taxes might generate shame because, oh my gosh, I didn't make any money this year. If I look at my taxes, I'm gonna see that, right? And that might generate shame internally. For somebody else, it might be, I'm rebellious. I don't want to pay the government. So I'm not going to do the good. And, and everybody has a different relationship to taxes. If we can start where it originates in the pattern box, I have a pattern that does not do taxes. That's very different than I do not do taxes. Do you hear the difference? I have mm -hmm. a pattern that does not do taxes. Perfect. What is that pattern? How do I feel when I go to do my taxes? I feel rebellious. Great. Where do I feel that? I get my fist clench and I get angry. Perfect. And what's your thought? I'm not paying the government anything. Brilliant. Now that person can start deconstructing, removing that pattern. Why? Does it mean they're going to do taxes? Not necessarily. It might be that somebody else should do the taxes for them. They might not have the right patterns to do taxes, right? But at least they will have a clear slate where they're not relating to taxes as being something bad. Mm. Make sense? Right. Yeah. You have to train yourself. And and this almost sounds to me like the, the thing that I'm thinking that popped in my head as you were talking about that is it's almost a form of meditation in itself because meditation to me, it's all about, um, it, it's all about becoming more aware of these little things that you're not aware of throughout the day, like breathing, for instance, you're so caught up in the emotion of, oh my God, my day's stressful. Oh my God, I, I'm, I'm late to work. I got to take the kids here. I got to, you know, I got to do this workout. I'm, I, I got this meeting, I got this thing due. I got to watch this show. I got to keep up with this thing on social media. I'm on this Facebook fight, whatever it is, right? You're so caught up in all this stuff, but then like your breathing is the most important thing you do all day. And the only time you can really become aware of it is when you're, when you're meditating, when you slip, when you just quiet the mind. And in a sense, that's what you're doing in this practice of repatterning is you're going, what, like, what is keeping me from doing, like, I got to do the taxes, but I'm just not, I'm just holding back, or I got to do this project, or I got to write this book, or I got to, you know, whatever it is, I got to do it. I know I got to do it. And you're just holding off, holding off. And the second you catch yourself holding it off and you go, it's not that I don't want to do taxes is that I got a pattern that's telling me not to do taxes. And then as soon as you say that you go, well, what's the pattern? And then you start deconstructing it. And then it's this, it's, it's, it's a game changer is what it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I said initially, part of my background is a meditation facilitator. I, I was meditating. Oh gosh, I've been meditating 40 years. Um, what I found, though, was that just allowing something, just using a state of surrender 
isn't enough because it doesn't direct anything inside the mind towards the thing that we're trying to change. So the reason that it's four steps, step three is definitely a state of surrender, a state of meditation. But steps one and two, identifying the pattern, owning it as a pattern, that really focuses the mind, directs the mind where you want to go. Now you add in meditation, and that's only 30 seconds. I mean, this entire four steps only takes two minutes, believe it or not. But you add in a place for meditation, and boom, now you've got focused results because the brain knows, okay, I got to go down this channel now. Perfect. Yeah, I see that. And how does this relate to people's view of money? Because I know people are like, you have people on one or two sides, right? You have people who like, they, they have no shame. They just want it. They're going to do whatever they got to do to make money. And then you have people on this other side who like, they just, they feel like greed is bad and you know, they, they don't deserve to make money or too many people have more money than other people. And this is a problem in the world. Um, and I see that, it, I mean, you have so many books out there like money mindset and the mindset of money and the mindset of wealth and all this stuff. Um, what is that pattern all about? Yeah, that's a great question with a very long answer. <laughs> we let's might have to you might have to have me back to talk about money patterns, but let, <laughs> let's try and see if we can do this in sure. a few minutes. Okay. Um money is an interesting pattern in that it's generated by the left brain. So I'm I'm just gonna explain what I'm saying here. We live in a left brain dominant world. We've prioritized left brain's way of being. What is the difference between the left brain and the right brain? Because most people tend to think that the right brain is creative, the left brain is, is logical, not true. Both sides of your brain are needed for, both for creativity, logic, things along that line. But there is a fundamental difference, and that is this. Your right hemisphere is absorbing everything in this current moment called now. So the job of the right hemisphere is to be always on board, keeping this broad, open, sustained awareness of everything around it. It then passes that information to the left hemisphere, which does something really, really fascinating. It creates what I call a virtual map, which sits on top of the whole of the now. So it extracts and separates and divides, categorizes, labels, so that you can utilize the world around you. Okay, that makes sense? All right. The, the issue, the reason that we, I say we live in, or the scholars are saying, it's not me, this isn't my theory, but the reason the scholars are now saying we live in a left brain dominant world is because that information that is occurring in the left brain is not being passed to the right for context. It's the right hemisphere that brings everything into context. It says, okay, yes, I know this, this is going on, and here is the situation that I'm in, in which this information is going to be used, this left brain information, okay? That's, that's stopped happening. The left has stopped bringing it back to the right hemisphere for integration. Money, I say, is a left brain pattern. What does that mean? It's a human creation. It doesn't exist in nature. It's not like a tree, right? It's something that we made up. Anything that we made up is left brain, left brain alone. Why is money so controlling and controllable and um, generates so much greed and all of that is because it's there's no context to it. There's never enough, right? When you think about money, when somebody thinks about going for money, there's always the ceiling just always keeps getting higher and higher and higher, no matter how much somebody has. And that is that shows us that it's a left brain pattern which lacks context of the right hemisphere. I hope I'm making sense right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 keep going. Uh -huh. Really, really in deep into a five-minute conversation. So it's when we, when we deal with that as a pattern, okay, I have a money pattern. And for some people, it's like, I'm just going to reject all money. That's the way I'm going to deal with this. For other people, it's like, I can never have enough. That either or of the pattern box is given by the left brain. There are two channels that that, two ways that that information can travel down that brain channel. One way is I want more. One way is I want less. Neither of those are optimal. Neither of that is contextual. Okay. What we need to do is we need to get a new money pattern. Humanity needs a new money pattern, one that works for all of us. 
And to do that, we need to let go of this either or that the pattern is, is bringing to money. We need to bring the right brain more into our money patterns. Ask questions. I'm sure I've lost you. So go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like I'm my brain is moving and thinking like what I'm thinking when I'm hearing you say this is like as humans, I think we have a special relationship with numbers and values, you know, um, and I don't know where it comes from. I'm not an anthropologist. I have no idea. I just feel like we have, um, you know, we have a thing with um, with abundance and with uh, and with numbers. And, you know, that probably comes from like when we were cavemen, but we also have a thing with um, empathy. And I think the world that we live in now where there is so much money and there is so much wealth and even, even broke people still have abundance in a lot of ways. And I think it, it, it kind of comes down to like, what mindset do you live in? Do you live in abundance or do you live in in wealth. Right. And so I think the P or, uh, I'm sorry, abundance or, um, like poverty. Right. And not to say that if you live in a poverty mindset, you are living in poverty, but I think a lot of people, and believe me, I know plenty of these people. I was one of these people for a long time. Um, you know, you, you just, you have a lot of guilt around money. And so you associate like, like, again, this woman who didn't think it was right to take care of herself, but to care for others first. I think a lot of people that's ingrained in their head, be it from childhood, from religion, whatever it is. And I mean, over when you just have that mindset over the years, it's like, you just start to build a lot of, um, uh, a lot, a lot of, uh, dislike or hate or whatever for those that have a lot of money. Like, you know, when I hear people talk about Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk and like, why do they have so much? Why does Jeff Bezos need a trillion dollars? Why do they need to have, why do we have billionaires when there's so many people that are poor? Um, and I, I totally get that. Like, I totally understand like why you're coming from that. But at the same time, like I'm a businessman, like I get it. I understand like, why does it matter if they have so much, if you still have enough and they're providing these services for you? So I think for a lot of people, um, maybe what changes that is when you start to actually do your own finances and you start to see the numbers for yourself. And it is almost like that left brain, right brain starting to connect the dots like, oh, this is the money that I make every year. This is the money that I spend every year. And this is the conditions that is my life of, of I don't have as much as I think I should have. So yeah, I, I think there's so much psychology behind it. Um, but I, I like the way you break it down. Yeah, massive amounts of psychology, because here's the thing. What is the difference between Jeff Bezos and you and me? The answer is very simple. He has different money patterns than we have. That's Mm -hmm. it. Once once we get that, it's like, oh, okay. the reason that I don't have billions or trillions in his case is because I don't have money patterns for having trillions or billions. Then the question is, do my money patterns work for me? And if, if we're feeling guilty and ashamed of having money, then no, they're not working. They need to be removed and upgraded because they're just obsolete patterns because you have the right to have as much money as you want. So does everybody else on this planet. And I am not in any way making the inequitable inequitability of money into something that is, I'm not pointing a finger at somebody who's poor and saying it's your fault or you're poor. Please don't hear it like that. It's just that patterns are decisive. Patterns will create their own reality. And once we know that and we know, okay, I got an opportunity here to remove that pattern and upgrade it, then we have an opportunity to make more money if that's optimal. Yeah. And I think it comes also down to people really being honest with how much you truly need um, for you to be happy in your life, you know, because a lot of people just have this thing where you're like, I want to be a millionaire. And well, why do you want to be a millionaire? Why do you need a million bucks? And when you start to write down on paper, you know, like the things that you feel like you need to be happy, you know, go far, go beyond, you know, um, just like the food from day to day, a shelter and water and whatever else, like go crazy, go to the thing. Like, yeah, I want a boat. Yeah. I want like nice clothes. Yeah. I want a nice car. I want to travel the world, whatever. Right. 
And then you start to put that on paper and you realize like, oh, I don't need a million dollars for what I want. I need like $150,000, right? Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you do that, you go, well, that's actually a lot easier to do than a million dollars. And then you start to think like, so then what do I got to do? I don't have to be, I don't have to be Jeff Bezos. I don't have to be Elon Musk. I could just, you know, it, it comes down to, and I've learned this over the years, but it's like, it's not about the money. It's about the value that you're creating to get that money. So then you have to also start thinking like, okay, it's not the dollar. It's what am I giving to the world that they'll reward me with that money? And then you start to, you, you can actually write that ship by going, well, I don't have to be selfish. In fact, I have to be so unselfish to put others ahead of myself to create value for them. And then they will reward me with that money. You know, unless you just go win the lottery, then, you know, Hey, that's all good. Are you invested in Bitcoin in 2013? Um, but Hey, I live around those people. And a lot of those people aren't as happy as you would think they like, they have millions of dollars they're 28 and they're just like, I don't know what to do with my day. I can't, you know, so it's very tricky. Oh, it's so true, Eric. We have collapsed so much into money. Money is status. Money is happiness. Money is promise. Money is this. Money is that. It, it's not true. Money is money. That's it. Just strictly yeah. money. And, you know, I had one woman and and she was really desperate for money and when I asked her why like I said exactly like you said well what do you want to do with that money she said I, I need to buy a yacht and I want it to have a helicopter pad and I said <laughs> why like what what is it about yeah. that that you're looking for and what it came down to when we really started to identify her patterns was she really felt that she was her status was very low inside of not having money. So what she really wanted was to feel good about herself. She wanted self-esteem. How it was being translated by her pattern box was getting out with a helicopter pad. Right? So again, there's no logic in patterns. We just, we follow the messenger, the guide, and, and identify the pattern under that to find out what's really going on. And, you know, I would probably follow that up with going, hey, do you know how hard it is to clean a yacht like that? Like <laughs> yeah, all the time? Yeah, yeah. Do you know how much yeah. work that's going to take? Like, do you really want to deal with that? <laughs> yeah. What if, what if like a hurricane hits and then now you got an upside down yacht in the middle of the water? Like that's going to be a pretty big bummer. I like, I'm, I'm a neurotic Jew and I think about like the negative of everything. And if you just, uh, I don't even know if I need repattering as much as I just need like the bad side of things I want. I go, oh yeah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> On to the next one. Right. Yes. Yeah. But then some people are held back when they shouldn't be held back. True. You know, I, I worked with one woman and she was really held back because she had leadership issues, which she thought were money issues. But again, when she started to look, it was like, I'm a woman in a, in a man's world. I shouldn't be here. That's what her pattern was. That's the belief she was holding. Right. So we just removed that pattern. She went on to create million dollars business. It was $20 million was the value of her business the last time I checked in with her. So wow. it really, it really depends on the individual and how money patterns are playing out in the individual. What is the belief under the want? Wow. Well, the last thing I want to ask you about is um stress you know, a lot of people are really stressed, stress and anxiety. You know, you see that in the world. And I think probably money patterns play into a lot of that, but, um, you know, again, coming from like the holistic health and wellness space, it's like, well, you know, I'm trying to get people to switch their nervous system from sympathetic to parasympathetic to get more sleep, to eat right, you know, because these things could lower your stress response. But again, this is one of those things that goes far beyond just the physical, the emotional is so much. So what is a repatterning perspective on stress and anxiety? Yeah, so one of the interesting things about living in a left brain dominant world is the result is stress, anxiety. Um, why? Remember I said it's the right brain that brings context to the situation. It actually positions us in the now and shows us what the optimal path is for this particular situation we're in. What's happening with the left brain trying to do it alone is it's trying to use its own knowledge to understand the world today. Well, Eric, I'm sure this is going to come as no surprise. The world is speeding up, right? Change is occurring much more rapidly than 
knowledge will allow us to catch up to. It used to be before a long time in history that we could rely on the patterns that we created as, as a child. And those would carry us through all the way through our adulthood. And the reason for that is the world was simple. You lived in the same village. You knew everybody around you. You didn't have to do this rapid fire change that we're being invited to do today. So today, it's even more important that we learn how to upgrade our brain every single year because the stress is being created by old patterns that are becoming more and more obsolete based on the situations that are changing around us more and more rapidly. And that is just going to continue. So you can see as the rate of change increases, the rate of anxiety in humanity increases to match. We need to start repatterning faster and faster so that we, our patterns are able to, our brain is able to adapt super fast to the changes around us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's, it's more about, it's more about recognizing more quickly, uh, like the need to not have to keep up with everything, the need to also go, go inward and kind of find your place versus like trying to quickly match the speed of how things are changing. Well, sadly we can only do that for so long. Um, we can try and turn off the world. We can try and stop having notifications on our phone, for example. Let's get different email boxes. We can try and do all of that. But because of the pace that the world is going in, it, we it's our adaptability that needs to catch up to the world now. We can't we will reach a point where we can't turn it off anymore. That's what's happening. And so that's why you're seeing more and more stress, more and more anxiety, more and more nervous illnesses. I mean, I'm sure you encounter those. There are illnesses now that are coming on board around the nervous system, around our, um, that are brand new, right? That we never saw in the past. And that's why. Yeah. The nervous system of pride. Yeah. I mean, we're really, I, and I think it's just like the sheer amount of stimulus that's going into your going into your consciousness every single day like oh, i mean zettabytes of information now zettabytes daily every single moment of every day you're getting bombarded yeah and you know something interesting i i kind of think about and it, well i shouldn't say i think about it, actually i just thought of it right now but like the the idea of like maybe sometimes and this could maybe even work like in a pattern thing, but, you know, like you said, just insane amounts of information coming in, but they're coming in through these individual portals, you know, whether it's the computer, the phone, mm -hmm. the TV, the iPad, sometimes like you could change that pattern by just going outside and like looking at a far distance, you know, just looking at, um, you know, like I'm lucky because I can go to the beach and I can just look out all the way to the horizon. I know some people live close to the woods and you go and there's there's actually research on this idea of forest bathing and looking at green, green light, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, just letting your eyes adjust and the neurological response that that could have to actually soothe the mind to get out of that stress response. Because, man, I, I get caught up in it, too, you know, and it's just so funny. Like I, I had this thing on Instagram recently and my inbox just starts getting filled with people like, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know what I did? I just took my phone and I just click off and it was like, Oh, all the problems just go away. Just like that. That's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I mean, but, but sadly for some people just click off, doesn't send it away because it's still happening I know. inside our thinking. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's many ways to deal with stress. Um, one way is to try and turn it off. One way is to take those breaks, to meditate. Absolutely, all of that super, super helps. And just to know that your brain is, is highly, highly adaptable. That is, if there's one thing that a human being is, it is not an identity. It is adaptability itself. That is our design. That is how, what we do best. So if we can remember that, if we have the tools to just keep adapting, we can keep up with the pace of the world. And eventually as more and more people 
understand the adaptability that they are and understand how to keep adapting their brain, we can slow down the rate of change that is happening out there. We're causing it. We are responsible for it as in able to respond. And we are also the ones who created it. And so we have the power to change it. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great place to, to, to kind of end this conversation. Cause I think that really sums it all up and, and what we've been talking about Adele, where would somebody find you online if they wanted to learn more about you, uh, read some of your writing, get your book, maybe even work with you. Uh, where's a good place for people to check you out? Yeah, well, so you can go to my website, adelspragan.com, or they can also go to shiftforsteps.com, and that's the number four. And on there, there's free training. You can also get a free copy of my book. All I ask is people pay for shipping. So that's shiftforsteps.com. And is your book available on Amazon? It is, yes. Okay, great. I'll put uh, links to all this in the show notes when we release this and I'm sure people, you know, I love this conversation and I, I wish we can go a little bit longer, but uh, you know, I'm sure people love this and will hopefully reach out to you and, and check out what you're working with. Cause it's, it's definitely, it's definitely paradigm shifting and it's so important and uh, you can't thank you enough for doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you, Eric. And same to you. I mean, all that health that you do, it's, it's important as well. So yeah, together we'll support each other. That's right. <laughs> Left brain, right brain. Let's do it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much again for joining me today, Adele. And thank you, viewer and listener, to checking out today's podcast. For more, check out Adele's work. And for more on what I'm doing over here at Holistic Nootropics, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Thanks so much for everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for watching and listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com.